a little bit. I got a, a, a simple message. And I know that when you hear simple, you're thinking short. <laughs> I said simple for a reason. <laughs> uh, but uh, truly, I do, I do believe this is the message for this morning. And uh, obviously, with uh, the possibility of not being in the pulpit, had other people lined up and ready to go. And, and all I can imagine is that God uh, wants this message to be delivered today. Uh, for our sakes, for whatever reason, I don't know all those things, but God does. So I'm going to do my best to deliver it, and I'm going to ask that you pray with me for that. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, look if you would at verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. In other words, let me tell you how it all happened. And uh, just so you know, I'm going to prepare you for this. The next several weeks will be uh, 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 from passages of Scripture that are kind of surrounding the idea of Christmas or prophecy about Christmas or the history of Christmas. So if you're a Grinch or a Bahumbug, I'm sorry, all right? But that's what we're going to be going through for the next several weeks. Uh, The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now right there, that should tell you, this is a very unique situation, all right? They have not come together, yet she's pregnant. Now, if you lived back then, would you believe that story? Probably not. You'd be like, oh, the Lord did this, huh? <laughs> yeah, I know who did it, and his name's not the Lord. His name's Joseph, right? Now, that, that's kind of the context of what's going on here. Verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. In other words, you know, what she's doing in my eyes is not appropriate. And by the law, I can make an example out of her, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, My heart's broken over what's going on right now because in my mind, my girl has stepped out on me, right? That's that's tough. You're you're engaged to get married, espoused. That's kind of what that is in Bible terms. And and you're getting ready to get married, and you look over, and you're like, hey. So I don't want to be like a jerk, but you kind of, you know, Right? Right? And then, and, then you're, and then she's like, yeah, but it's not what you think. And all that's going through his mind is, well, this is what I think. And so I would say, if, if I'm Joseph, I might be tempted to be a little confused. Look, if you would, at verse number 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is, I love these three words, God with us. Isn't that good? Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Uh, This is a a real busy time of year for a lot of people, would you say so? And I know this, the the busier people get, the more confused about things they they tend to be, and so... um, I want to talk about getting some clarity over your confusion. And, and this, this obviously was the first Christmas, you know what I mean by that. And, and Joseph, I would say, if, if I'm in his shoes, I would be tempted to be confused about what's going on. And there are times in your life where you're tempted to be confused about what exactly is going on. Let me just say this, God does not want you to live in confusion. There's some things we can learn from Joseph's example. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and I'm going to ask little Joseph to open us up in a word of prayer.
Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. I want you to kind of put yourself in Joseph's shoes this morning, kind of a, try to imagine what it's like to look at the woman that you want to spend the rest of your life with and go, okay, how do I handle this? And, and then you go to sleep, and in the midst of that sleep, you have the angel of the Lord come to you and, and tell you, hey, no, go ahead and marry her after all. Uh, listen, at, at the moment in which you have a, a juncture of what you think is right and what God says is right, at, at that moment in time, that's where conflict can settle in. And listen, when you got saved, God gave you a new heart. He gave you a sound mind. He gave you a new start at life. Amen? The Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God does not want you to live a conflicted and confused life. But just because you're saved doesn't safeguard you from ever being confused in life. There are times where you want to go in a certain direction, and God goes, no, that's not the right direction. This is the right direction. You go, Lord, that does not make sense. This makes sense. And the Lord goes, yeah, I know, but I don't operate in the realm of what makes sense. I don't just operate in the realm of the natural. I operate in the realm of the supernatural. So sometimes when God's direction goes in the direction of supernatural and we're stuck in the natural, we tend to be confused. And the temptation is to blame God for that confusion. But that's not, that's not the answer. The answer is, it lies in the passage itself. You may remember Elijah on Mount Carmel. You know, he says, how long halt you between two opinions? You know what gets you confused? When you're listening to one voice and trying to listen to another. Yeah, you parents with multiple children know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen? Amen. All right, you got, you know, this one's screaming over here, you know, and, and uh, little Ben Jr. screaming over here, and Ayana's asking a question, and Awen goes, well, what about this? And then the baby starts crying. And then dad chimes in. Amen. <laughs> it's confusion all over the place. Amen. I love how she just threw you right under that bus, man. <laughs> Amen. Boy, she was ready. She's like, yep, ain't just the kids. He's the problem, too. That's why you're sitting behind her, isn't it? She's like, you sit back there. I can't handle you anymore. I got them. I got, that's enough. You, you understand what I'm saying? When you're trying to listen to too many voices at one time, it's hard. Uh, how about the other way around? When you're thinking of one kid, I have literally gone, yeah, he's about, just trying to get the right names. I finally go, I wasn't thinking of a girl at all. It was Preston, right? After three girl names, I finally get the right name out, you know? You say, what is that? Your mind just gets too much stuff in it, and you're thinking of too many things, and so what happens is you get confused. And, and listen, that's not God's fault. That's a, a result of our fallen nature, and, and really what it comes from is choice. Uh, who here loves free will? You like being able to make your own choices? All right. Uh, anybody watching any videos of what's going on in China right now? Yeah. If you get COVID, you get locked in the building, you can't leave and all that stuff, man, I thank God to be here right now. I really do. And we're not a perfect country and all that kind of stuff. And man, COVID was weird and all that. But I'm thankful that I'm not getting locked in my house. That's a blessing. I mean, that really is. But, but let me just say this. Uh, uh, free will has consequences. And when all of your free will is removed, you may not realize this, it, it's, it is captivity. But there's a sense about it where you never have to worry about anything because it's already taken care of. What I mean by that is this. Uh, people, for example, as a brother mentioned, North Korea a little bit ago, and we had the brother that visited from there weeks ago, you know, when they defect from North Korea and go to another country, you know they have a hard time adjusting? Do you know why that is? Because up to that point in their life, everything was predetermined by the government. They didn't have to think about where to live or what they're going to eat. Whatever they're going to have, whatever little bit it is, it is provided by the government and that's it. Am I advocating that's a good thing? Absolutely not. What I am saying is this, when all free will is taken and then you're put in a position to make a choice, it's very hard to know what to do. Make sense? And so listen, what the Lord does not do, the Lord does not lock you down like North Korea. Amen? The Lord gives you free will, but with that free will means you get to choose how you, uh, how you go, where you go and the direction you take in your life. Joseph had a choice. God did not make Joseph do the right thing. He said, here's what I want you to do. It was up to Joseph when he got up from that dream to do what was right or not to do what was right. Uh, but let me just say this much. There was a lot at stake. The sinless son of God needed a home. And isn't it amazing that God was his heavenly father, and yet he still chose to put a father figure in his life, humanly speaking, on this earth? That's how much God cares about that. You, you know, a lot of the problems in our society are is kids don't have men they can look up to. 
And so God said, listen, for my son, I'm going to let you be his foster father. Listen, don't, don't get too involved. Don't, don't ever forget, he's going to be about my business because I'm his father, but I want you to take care of him. I want you to be an example. And so here's Joseph, this man that probably did not grow up thinking, man, I'm going to be the foster father for the son of God. I mean, he probably just lived a normal life like everybody. A, a, a carpenter, a, a blue-collar worker, a, a skilled tradesman, a craftsman, and he's living his life, doing his thing, and all of a sudden this is thrown at him without any uh, warning, without any, uh, uh, you know, this is coming your way. There's no prophecy in Joseph's mind that aligns him with the Messiah. There he is. And let me just say this. That's how life goes sometimes. God will throw things in your lap that you're not expecting, that you don't think you're going to be a part of, and it's up to you how you respond to that situation. And you may go, well, I'm not worthy. I don't think I've got enough education. I don't think I'm called. Listen, if God says you're called, then you're called. If God puts it in your life, that means it's right for you. And and maybe you go, well, I don't know how I can handle this. I'm not sure I'm going to do this. You know, then therein lies the problem. This is where confusion comes in. When you're trying to hear what God is saying and trying to listen to yourself or someone else. We live in a very confused society. Look, I don't want to get too far into pop culture, but man, it, it, it should not take a long time for the world to renounce a very fashion, uh, 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 popular, fashionable label that's using children as props in, in a pedophilic type weird way. The world should not take up, but, but we're like, it's, it's like dragging out longer and longer. Oh, uh, yeah, that was a mistake. We shouldn't have done it. Oh, we should have cleared that, looked into that better. No, 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 no. That was on purpose, and that was wicked and evil. So, so you don't have to know. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's fine. Don't worry. Don't go look digging for trash. But if you know what I'm talking about, man, it, it, we live in a messed up society where people cannot identify what is good and what is evil. And I'm not picking on people when I say this. There are some people that don't know if they're a man or if they're a woman. You say, what is that? The problem is you're listening to the wrong voices. And confusion settles in whenever you start going, yeah, but if I go in that direction, the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. When I get a Christian come to me go, I'm just confused. I, I don't look at them and go, you're filled with the devil. What I do think is this, there's something somewhere in your life where you're hearing one voice and you're not able to hear God's voice. And the main thing is, how do I get to hear his voice again? Because Joseph was able to know exactly what to do. He was able to make the right choice because he got some clarity over that confusion. Listen, I, I took uh, Emma. She got some Claire's cash. Anybody know what Claire's is? I hate that store so much. <laughs> it's, it's like anime and Hello Kitty and flowers and pink stuff threw up at one time, and there it is. But I love my daughter, and so I take her into Claire's. And the whole time, all the boys do is look off the toys like, (laughs) there they are playing, looking at all like the girly stuff, you know, and they're laughing at it, making fun of it. And they're doing their thing, and I'm trying to get Emma. I said, Emma, we got a couple minutes. You need to pick something out for this many dollars, the $10. We had $10 in in, uh, Claire's cash. All it is is preparation for Kohl's. Because you ladies that are older, you didn't know what Claire's cash was, but I said Claire's cash. Oh, it's like Kohl's cash. I know what it is. But for Claire's. And so we walk into Claire's and I'm like, okay, I mean, you got, you got, here's the store. Here's how much you got. Okay, now we got a couple minutes. You got, okay. Ah, ah, I don't know. I just, I really like this, but it's like $110,000. Can we get it? No, we can't get that one. And then she keeps looking. I'm like, just, just pick something. Oh, but I, I think I have that notebook, and I don't know. And Preston, Ethan, like, just pick something. <laughs> uh, she follows in the footsteps of another older sibling of hers. And we go out to eat, and it's like, ooh, that looks good. Oh, but I don't know. I had that last week. And oh, but what does that take? Uh, her mom, you got it from your mom. God bless her. She's not here. I'm picking on her. The cardinal sin. You never pick on someone that's not here. I'm doing it right now. We went out to eat the other night, and I literally opened the menu up, and I said, I want that, and I want that. And she goes, how do you do that? I was like, it's just how it should work. <laughs> For the next 10 minutes, she lamented, oh, but it's not like we're talking about nuclear war here. Just pick an item on the menu. Choose something, <laughs> Right? But you know what the world will have you do as a Christian? It'll have you just constantly go like this. Where you just can never choose. 
You say, who's behind that? It's not the Lord. Do, do I, hey, uh, I don't know if I found my identity. A- a- am, I, am, I, am, I, am I bisexual? Am I this? Am I, you know what you are? You are exactly what God made you to be. And if, if you're going to try to find your identity outside of that, you will be confused. And guess what? That's not God's fault. What I'm trying to get at is this. Choice does bring conflict. And at time, conflict does bring confusion. But God is not the author of that. As a matter of fact, you know the word, the first time confusion shows up in the Bible, it's due to sexual perversion in Leviticus 13. Did you know that? You know what that shows you? God is not behind that. God's not behind us being confused. Uh, Confusion is associated with sorrow and affliction, according to Job. It's associated with a multiplicity of authorities and different gods in Isaiah 45. Uh, James chapter 3 says this, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. You know what it's talking about? The wisdom from this earth compared to the wisdom from heaven above. Two kinds of wisdom. One leads you down the right path, and one leads you down the wrong path. Romans chapter number one. If you're confused this morning, let me just say this. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're living in sin. What it does mean is this. You need clarity in your life, and you have a heavenly father, if you're saved, that wants to give you that clarity. Now, whether you're willing to follow his instructions on that is completely and utterly up to you. Let me just say this. The devil is heavily invested in your confusion. Because, look, he can't have your soul. If you're saved, he can't touch your soul. And if you're not saved, get saved today. If you're like, what does saved mean? Let's talk after church. Amen. You want to know what, there's nothing like putting your head on your pillow at night and knowing that no matter what happens, if you die in your sleep, I will wake up in the arms of my Savior and I will never sin again, I will never hurt again, I'll never be sick again, no more COVID, no more RSV, no more flu, no more whatever it is everybody keeps passing around, amen? I can't wait for that day. If you're not saved, get saved. (laughs) Because, man, without salvation, life doesn't even make sense. Why are you here? Why are you? Well, I just evolved on the random consequence of the cosmos exploding billions of years ago. No, you were designed by your creator. You have a purpose. It's to please him, but you can't do that until you get saved. Salvation brings order and purpose to a chaos-filled life. Uh, Salvation brings a purpose to a life that is without form and void. But after you get saved, When you start listening to a lot of voices at one time, it can get confusing. I'm I'm, I'm sure I'm talking to some people that know what it's like to be confused. I've been confused. You know, I'm listening to the GPS, and the GPS is saying to go that way. You know, and my wife's like, but I think this way is better. And I'm like, which woman do I listen to right now? (laughs) Got the woman yelling at me here. I got the woman yelling at me. Which way do I go? You say, what is that? Confusion. You know what Harry Truman said? If you can't convince them, confuse them. Because if you can confuse them, you can control them. You know why the devil wants to confuse you in your life? To be able to pull your strings a little bit. He cannot touch your soul, but he can touch your testimony. He can touch your purity. He can touch your mind. He can touch uh, your family. He can touch the rewards that you could gain in eternity for Jesus Christ. There's a lot. Listen, thank God. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, there's nothing more valuable than your eternal soul. And thank God when you got saved, God took care of that. But let me just say this, outside of your soul, the devil can touch a whole lot in your life. And oftentimes the vehicle that he uses to do it is confusion. I I like reading about Harry Truman. He told another story. He said one time this guy was working and got hit on the head and uh, knocked him out. He was completely unconscious. unconscious. And and they thought, they thought the guy was dead. You know what they did? They they literally called the undertaker, came, put him in a box, took him to the, the morgue. The next day, the guy wakes up, opens the box. This is a true story. He looks around and he starts, heart starts beating real fast. He goes, if I'm alive, why am I in this beautiful box in this satin-filled coffin? What, if I'm alive, why am I in this coffin? But if I'm dead, why do I have to pee so bad right now? 
You say, what is that? That's confusion. <laughs> you know, that's how life can feel sometimes. Like, if, if this is where I'm at, if I'm saved, why am I going through this? If God's my father, why am I facing this trial? If, if, if the Bible has the answers, how come I can't seem to figure out what to do in my life right now? Anybody ever been there? You know what the devil's after? He's after God's seed. You say, what is that? Well, when you got saved, he put the incorruptible seed of the word of God inside of you. You were born again through Jesus Christ. And the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. You know what happens in the next chapter? Look at uh, chapter two. Look, if you would, at verse number 16. Just read it for yourself. You say, what happens? Well, the king of the land seeks to destroy all the male children under two years of, uh, of age. You say, why? To try to wipe out God's son, God's seed, before he could grow up and fulfill the prophecies of being the Messiah and go to the cross and die for the sins of mankind. The devil was invested in trying to destroy God's seed before he could even grow up. Let me say it like this. You have God's seed inside of you, Jesus Christ. And the devil is just as invested in destroying whatever work he wants to do in your life in 2022, just like he was when Jesus was born. He has not changed his mission. You should not roll over and play dead. You need to recognize that. And if you are confused, pump the brakes this morning. Go, Lord, I need some clarity. Lord, I need some help. Let me say this. Number one, you need to hear from God. Go back to chapter one. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 20. You say, preacher, is God going to come to me in a dream? You know, am I going to see a 40-foot Jesus stand over the, you know, my bed and tell me, you know, I got to collect $1 million or else this is going to happen to me or whatever else those, you know, televangelists talk about. Can I say it like this? God used supernatural means in the Old Testament before Jesus died on the cross because of how God had dealt with his people. We'll learn about that in Sunday school next Sunday. But regardless of that, he may not come to you in a dream, but you know what he's done? He's put all of his thoughts into one place. If only we could find all those thoughts, amen? If only we could find all those words. I have people go, I just wish I knew what direction to go. Are you reading your Bible? Well, kind of. Are, are, have you prayed about this? Well, you know, I mentioned it to God here and there. Hey, listen, open this up. You need to hear from God. And sometimes that means silencing the other voices that are speaking to you at the same time. There are moments in the Dominguez household, and we're getting ready to add one more voice. There are moments where it's like, Dad, what about this? I can't find this. The dog did this. Uh, where's my paper? Where? Stop! You, you go. Okay, what'd you, okay, got it. Your turn. Uh-huh. You? Yeah? And why did you break that? I don't understand. What was going on? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, we, but going down through the row, right? I need to be able to talk to one person at a time. Children don't understand that we're not God. God can listen to a billion of voices at one time and not have a problem with it. I listen to one. I'm struggling following the one. You know how I know that? My wife will tell me stuff. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. She'll tell me something. And five minutes later, she'll go, you ready to go? Go where? That's one voice. That's one voice. And then you add all the children. <laughs> you know what you need to learn to do? You need to learn to be able to hear from God. Can I point out to you that when the angel of the Lord came to Joseph, Joseph, listen to me very carefully, was alone. How much alone time do you have? It's very hard in this day and age to actually be alone. You know that? Everywhere you go, you got something with you. And you got people and you got influences. You know, anymore, it's like you're brushing your teeth, you're watching your favorite show. And then you get in the car, you're listening to your favorite podcast. And then you get to work and you're watching this presentation. And your whole entire day is confused and, and filled with voices. And they're not all from God. And you go, man, I don't know what to do. Well, think about this. Look, look if you would at verse 20. The Bible says, while he what? Thought. There's a novel concept. We don't have time to think anymore in America. You know why? Constantly going from one app to the next, one thing to the next, and sometimes you, you, you need to just shut it all down, silence it, and say, God, I need to hear from you. Do you know why I tell people when you come to church, turn your phone off, unless you're an emergency responder, because, man, you've got that thing stuck to you like another appendage of your body. Listen, God forbid someone tweets something and you miss it. 
You know, I, you know what, what, is, what is this dictator saying in this country? What is Elon Musk saying about the, the files, about what they knew about this? Does that really matter to your life right now? Is that going to change your, is that going to help your walk with God at all? Or what some girl's doing on TikTok? You know, is that really going to help you or fix you in any way, shape, or form? No, it's not. Turn it off. Learn to live without it for a little bit. You are addicted. <laughs> you know how I know that? Uh, you know what? You know how you know that? When you talk to people that are addicted to things, you know what they say? I could stop. I could turn it off. Do it. <laughs> Try a week without social media. I appreciate it about this family. They, they did it. They took me up. One day I mentioned this in a sermon. They're like, well, we're going to try that. Yeah. And Jackie told me it was great. She goes, you know what? I was thinking about this. And I went to grab my phone. I was like, oh. I didn't even think about it. It was just second nature. Bingo. Second nature is today. What does Google say about it? You know what it used to be? Lord, what do you say about that? Amen. Not talking about where we're at. There's an old song, How Long Has It Been? How long has it been since you talked with the Lord and told Him your heart's hidden secrets? How long since you prayed? How long since you stayed on your knees till the light shone through? You need light. You need clarity. How long has it been since your mind felt at ease? Most people's minds today are... And don't get me wrong, I'm not your doctor, I'm going to be careful how I frame this, but not everything can be solved with you taking a pill. Some of those things are deeper and they are spiritual and they affect you physiologically speaking, and instead of going, I need this, maybe it's, I need a little bit more of God. Because Joseph didn't know what to do, and you know what he had to do? He had to get on and go, well, he's just going to sleep. Can you rest in the Lord a little bit? Yeah, I've learned this. I've watched this. I watch people come to church who've never been in a Bible leading church and like, man, like normally there's like, you know, 45 minutes of music and then the guy gets up and, you know, gives a couple of references to a movie he liked and talked about some illustrations and 15 minutes later, we're done, we're gone. That ain't where you're at. If you haven't figured that out yet. And so some folks that come to church and for the first time they're kind of like, what? How long are we? How long has it been since he started preaching? And when can we go to watch football? Just getting antsy, man. And then after a couple weeks, if they just they sit there and go, I need this. I need this. How long has it been since you knelt by your bed? You know what I've learned about people? A lot of people say, I'm praying about something. What they really mean is, I'm talking to a lot of people about something. <laughs> Can I get a witness? What they really mean is, I went to Facebook to air out my laundry. Amen. Why don't you go to God with that? You, you know, look, how long has it been since you knelt by your prayer and prayed to the Lord up in heaven? How long since you knew that he'd answer you and would keep you the long night through? There is nothing like... Getting alone with God, shutting out all the other voices and saying, God, I just want to hear from you. And then when he speaks up in your life and you watch him work, it's awesome. How many Christians miss out on that? How long has it been since you woke with the dawn and felt this day is worth the living? Can you call him your friend? How long has it been since you knew that he cared for you? People get up early for their jobs and you should, you should. You shouldn't be the last person at work. I'm all for that. That's work ethic. But then when it comes to your prayer life and your time alone with God, it's like, well, I'm tired. Hey, join the club. I love it. I'm trying to bear myself. I'm trying to frame this the right way. I love it when someone that maybe doesn't have as much going on, uh, on in their life, maybe as I feel like I do, is like, oh, I just don't have time for church, and I don't, I just, I can't get in my Bible, I can't, it's like, you know what, I feel you, try adding six kids to that, right, a church, a business, you know, when people start telling me, it's just like, I just, oh yeah, yeah, how can I pray for you, how can I, that's, that's, on the outside, it's how it is, on the inside, I'm like, what is wrong with you, you know, you know, like, I was up all night with my dog, I feel bad for you, and I feel bad for your dog, try six dogs that talk back to you, Okay, amen. Am I preaching? Or am I not? So, so what? I, what? I, what? I'm, 
what I'm getting at is you need to make time for this. The things that matter, you make time for. And if you're confused about any direction in your life this morning, about anything in your life this morning, you know what you need? You need to be able to hear from God. The Bible says about Jacob that he was left alone. You know, over there in the book of Acts, there's a story about, um, we know it as the great passage where uh, the Bible says, uh, what shall I do to be, what must I do to be saved? And Paul responds, you know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know what I'm talking about? That's a great answer. If you're not saved, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. What a great promise from God. But you know how that story starts? They want to pray. The Bible says prayer was want to be made. And then they met this certain woman and they kind of get away from that. And then they went to pray again in verse 16 of that chapter and this demon-possessed girl gets in there. And finally, at the end of the chapter, you know where they're at? They're in prison. They got the chains on and the Bible says at midnight they prayed. You know what that tells me? Sometimes you need chains on you and be thrown in a prison before you go, oh, good time to pray. Because we're just busy, right? Have a lot of things going on. Elijah was frustrated and confused about what God was doing in his life. And you know the story. The earthquake, the fire. And then the Bible says a still, why does it say still, small voice? Now, now it's interesting because in that chapter, the Bible says that the word of the Lord came into Elijah and Elijah went to this cave. So it wasn't like God had not communicated with him at all, but there was something that Elijah was missing in his life that God saw. And look, God took care of the physical. God fed him with the, 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 the bread and God fed him with the, the meat from the ravens and God gave him that water to drink from that brook. But eventually that brook dried up and Elijah was like, where do I go now? What do I do with my life? I, I thought I was at the pinnacle of my life and things did not go as I expected. Anybody ever been there? What do I do now? And it's so funny because God took care of his physical needs, but there was something much deeper he needed spiritually. And he gets into a cave, of all places, a dark, cold place where nobody else is at. And the Bible says an earthquake happens. And of course, you know, if you're like, if you're one of those like emotional people that always wants to live on an emotional high, like God's in the earthquake. He's shaking me. I can feel it. It's all, I can feel the energy. I can feel the energy. And the Lord's like, no, that's not me. That's you. That's your emotions. You know, and then the, the, the fire. Oh, God, send the fire, Lord. God, send the fire. And listen, the chapter earlier, God literally did show up in fire. And this time, fire blows through. And Elijah's like, oh, and God's like, nope, not me. And then God just goes, hey, Elijah, Elijah. See, oftentimes, when you, when you read your Bible, God will call people by their name twice there's a reason for that he wants to get your attention i wonder why god would speak to jacob when he was alone i wonder why god would show up to elijah when he was alone i wonder why god would speak to jesus on top of a mountain when he was alone you think maybe there's a pattern there i i don't mean to pick on you guys but if you think life's going to get less busy next few years you're mistaken you better form some habits right now. Right. All the old people that are tired and the knees are popping and the hairs are they're all saying amen right now for a reason. Because right. they know that I be truthing right now. That means <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. So, so form these habits in your life. And you understand what I'm talking about. You that are older, you've had to make the time. Right. I, have a, I have a certain child that will call me sometimes and go, Dad, you, you busy? And that obviously probably eliminates the first three, the, the older, younger three. So between the, you, you, you're 50% right. You got a 50% chance of getting it right between who it is. And they'll call and go, dad, are you busy? And I, I, I said, look, don't ever ask me that. You are my child. I'm always busy. <laughs> but you're my child. I will make time to speak with you because I love you. What? And that, after I said that, it was kind of like I looked up and like, daddy, you're proud. Is that, because I, I kind of feel that way with you. Amen. I feel like no matter what. He's there. The problem is in return. You know why Rehoboam destroyed his kingdom? He tried listening to two different pieces of advice. You know why you'll destroy yours? God, family. God, 
what do my kids think? God, what do my friends say? God, what do the kids at school say? God, what do my coworkers say? Rehoboam split his kingdom in half for doing that. You know what he did? He allowed confusion in his life because he didn't stop and listen to God. Do you know why Amnon did what he did with his half-sister? Because of the voice that he was listening to. you know why Eve took of that fruit and gave to her husband? You, you know why she did that? Because of the voice that she was listening to at that moment in her life. What if Eve had paused and pumped the brakes and said, Yeah, this looks great. I really want to eat this. God, what do you think about it? I kind of think the devil would have run off for a little bit. Why does John the Baptist get his head cut off? Well, Herod liked John the Baptist. There was something he kind of liked about him. I think he liked the fact that he was a real man and told him the truth. And Herod didn't have a lot of that in his life. Most people in his life were probably, yes, men, yes, Herod, you're the great, yes, Herod, you're a beautiful Herod, we love you, Herod, you're, whatever you say, Herod. And John the Baptist is like, you stink. And you better get right with God. And Herod's like, I kind of like that guy. Why did he chop his head off? The voices he's listening to. Let me ask you, what voices are you listening to today? Secondly, look if you would at verse number 20. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. He heard from God. What did God say to him? First thing the Lord says to him is, Joseph, thou son of David. You know what you, know what you need to learn? Remember who you're connected to. You know who you're connected to? Jesus Christ himself. You are a child of God. Listen, you might be broke, you might be sick, you might be a great many other things, but you know what you are first and foremost? You are a child of God. Everything else in your life is determined by that. What you talk about relationships and, and things you want to enter into and confusion about sexuality, all the stuff that's going on in the world, if you're a child of God, you learn to identify with that first, everything else after that. That brings some clarity in your life. He says, Joseph, thou son of David. It'd be like him saying, Adrian, thou son of God. You are my child. Never forget it. I think God was reminding Joseph who he's connected to. And he says this, fear not. Can I say this secondly? You need to let go of your fear. Do you realize fear is a choice? Fear is a choice. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just naturally afraid. Look, when I get up on a ladder... When I, I, I can get on 30,000 feet in an airplane, no problem, no problem at all. There are people that are afraid of flying. I have no problem with it at all. I've been on so many plane rides. I know it feels like you're going to die when you land every single time, especially if you sit by a wing, you know, and, and if you're sitting by someone that's never flown before, you're like, this is the perfect time to witness to them. Honestly, you tell them, I think we're about to crash. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? And when they're sweating and crying, just walk them through the Romans road, let them in a prayer. Done. Done. Because it feels like you're going to die. I have no problem with being in heights like that. But man, get me on a ladder. My kids, they'll do this and we'll go hiking around the trails and you're the worst. Ariana will go, ooh, Dad, look, my foot's dangling over. Get over here. What is wrong with you? We went to the, the Castlewood Canyon and of course, these guys are like little jumping beans. Ah! You know, I'm like, please stay away from the, from, the, from the cliff. Like, Dad, we're 20 feet away. <laughs> they get 20 feet from within the cliff. I'm like, my hands are sweaty. I'm like, they're all going to die. Lord, would you please resurrect my son from the dead in Jesus' name. I, I, that's how I'm afraid of that kind of stuff. But can I say this? When I do that, when I engage in that fear, that's a choice. Oh, I'm just, I was born afraid of heights. I don't think you're born afraid of anything. I think over time you develop fears, and fear, by the way, is a consequence of sin. I'm not saying all fear is sin, but fear doesn't show up in the Bible until man sins. The Bible says he hid himself because he was afraid of God. Remember that, Genesis chapter 3? That fear doesn't show up until after sin. That tells me we're going to a place with no fear. But until then, you struggle with fear, don't you? Fear is a choice. God tells Abraham, fear not. He tells Hagar, fear not. He tells Isaac, the Lord appeared to him that same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee. Do you know what takes away your fear? Not that everything's going to be like you want it. Not that God's going to take away all your problems. Here's what resolves the fear in my life and in Joseph's life as well some 2,000 years ago. You know what does it? Here's what does it. Knowing that God is with me in whatever chaos is in my life. That's what does it. You know what he says? I'm with you. Fear not. He doesn't say fear not. Everything's going to go exactly as you want it to. Fear not. I'm taking away all your problems. No. Fear not. I'm with thee. 
Moses tells Israel, fear not. God tells Joshua, fear not, neither be dismayed. Can I ask you something? What are you afraid of today? I don't mean like clowns. Like, I don't like clowns. Clowns are creepy, all right? I don't mean that. Sorry, if you like clowns, I apologize if I offended anybody. Uh, but no, I don't. They're weird. Sorry, they, I take it back. I don't mean like I'm afraid of heights. I'm afraid. I mean like what are you fearful of in life right now? Are you afraid, afraid of failing? Well, I'll try to serve God and I don't, I don't, it doesn't work out. You know what happens to a lot of people? They get confused because they get in their head. And you allow fear to run your life. Some of you won't be who God made you to be because you're so stinking afraid of what people think of you. That you stay in a state of confusion for years of your life when God is trying to extract some of his character out of you and all you keep doing is vacillating between God and yourself. God and yourself. You know what's driving that? It's fear. You know what man struggles with? Fear. You know what God does? He tries to relieve us of that. You see that from the very first time that fear shows up in the Garden of Eden. You know what Jesus says? Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not what? Afraid. You know, he tells them after the resurrection, and they're looking at the, at the angels. The Lord then shows up to those same ladies, and he says, be not afraid. Let me ask you something. Do you realize that fear, if you are being governed by it, you are submitting yourself to a different spirit than the spirit of God? The Bible says God has given us a spirit of what? Fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And when you allow your life's choices to be made based on fear, I don't mean like there's a semi-truck running down the street. Should I walk in front of that semi-truck? You should be afraid of that. Amen. That is a healthy fear. I'm talking about what will they say about me? What will they do? What will they think? Uh, God, what if I fail? What about this? And what about that? And all the what ifs. What if I marry this woman and all of my fears come true? That's what Joseph was thinking. You know what God told him? Fear not. What are you afraid of? What's keeping you from making the right decision today? You talk to a lost person, you know what they're afraid of? I've, I've, had, this, I've had conversations like this for years. I'm just afraid I won't be able to live it. That's why I don't want to get saved. Anybody ever heard that before? You know what that means? I'm afraid if I get saved and then I, I mess up, maybe I'll lose my salvation. First off, you can't lose it. Thank God for that. We're not talking about a wallet or a pair of keys. We're talking about your soul. God saves it. He keeps it. Amen. But, but there's that fear of, okay, if I get saved and then I, I, I still do some of the bad things I used to do, then they're going to call me a hypocrite. Join the club. I, I'll tell you what, I'd rather be afraid of what people think of failure than of going to hell. I'd rather be afraid of those things. Uh, listen, listen, you don't want to be afraid of uh, 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 living fear to the point where you find, up, uh, find yourself one day in eternity in the lake of fire because you were so afraid of what people thought about you. Fear will p- keep people from getting saved. And you know that as a Christian. Can I say this though? You as a Christian also know fear will keep you from moving forward. You know what God does? He sends a lying spirit to deceive the people in 1 Kings 22. I- I'm pretty well convinced Another spirit that works really well on God's people is the spirit of fear. Well, I'm not going to go back to the world, but I'm also not going to go forward. I'm just going to stay stuck, confused. Because I'm listening to the spirit of fear, and I'm listening to the spirit of God. What if they don't like me? Well, they probably won't. Get over it. What if they make fun of me? What if it doesn't work out? My wife, what if we go to the hospital and labor stops? Well, that's a real fear, and it happened. But I'm sorry, I'm more afraid of getting stuck on that country road and having some toothless bumpkin come out, you need help delivering that baby? <laughs> well, I'm more scared of that than going to the hospital and them going, well, you, you can go home now. I'm way more afraid of that than that. You just got to pick what fear matters more in your life. Are you afraid of failing the Lord or afraid of failing people? Are, are you afraid of, what, what if this doesn't work? Well, what if it does work out and you miss out on it? What would Joseph have missed out on if he said no to Mary? Let me tell you something. God is a resourceful being. He would find someone else. Joseph let it be him. Because he didn't allow his fear to run his life. What if I do what the Bible says and it costs me? It's going to. 
What if my family turns on me? When my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. You know what you get? You get stuck in the land of what if. Sometimes the Lord calms the storm, and sometimes, listen to me very carefully, he lets the storm rage and he calms his child. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The Bible says about the end times, men's hearts failing them for fear. For fear. You know, when you look at overall health, we live longer, and so people tend to think we're healthier. I don't know that we're healthier. We may live longer. I know this. There's a lot of fear and anxiety in the world in which we live today that wasn't there even 10 years ago. That's increasing more and more. You know where that comes from? Here's where it comes from. It comes from you listening to one voice instead of listening to God's. It comes from you going, well, what if this, when God's saying, yeah, but look over here. Oh, well, what if I, I go to church and I, the Holy Spirit convicts me and I know I'm lost. I know I'm going to hell. I've never been saved. I need to get saved. But what if they, they look at me when I raise my hand during the invitation? Or what if they look at me when someone opens up the Bible? They'll know that I'm lost. Hey, if you're lost, you want to get saved? We'll be happy about that. Amen. Shouldn't fear that. But people fear it. The Bible says, no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. You know, some people don't talk about Jesus. They're afraid of what people think of him. God wants you to let go of your fear. Look, you go, well, how do I do that? I don't know. How'd you grab it? Well, I've been doing that for so long. I've been afraid of it for so long. Have you ever just looked at your fear and said, you are not truth. God determines what is truth. You're not it. Therefore, I'm not going to submit myself to you anymore. Amen. You realize that's a choice, right? Amen. People don't wake up super, super spiritual one day in a three-piece and go, oh, right, levitate out of bed, you know, and oh, the Shekinah glory has fallen upon me. I am no longer afraid of any. No, no, it's, it's, it's you choosing to say, I will no longer fear that because I don't want that to control my life anymore. You know what? Uh, listen, uh, parents, let me help you out a little bit. When your child doesn't want to shake an adult's hand, you tell them to shake their hand, oh, he's shy. You know what he is? He's proud. Yes. And he's afraid of what people will think of him if he does or says something wrong. You can help navigate that child the right way by helping them get over their fear, by telling them you will or else. Give them something greater to fear. Amen? You may go, I don't like your parenting style. That's fine. Take it or leave it. I'll tell you this. It's worked for me. And I'll tell you this. It's what my Heavenly Father does for me as well. He says, look, look you, you want to be afraid of that? Fine. Let me give you something greater to be afraid of. You parents ought to understand this. When your child goes, yeah, but I'm afraid of that. Do you want to be afraid of this? No, nope, I don't want to be afraid of that. Okay, you got it. Yes, sir. You say, what is that? That's what your Heavenly Father does for you. Amen. Be not afraid. The, the optimist says there's a glass half full. Right? The pessimist says the, the cup is half empty. The Baptist says... There is no cup at all. <laughs> I don't see a cup. Where's the cup? Just because the preacher says it doesn't mean there is one. <laughs> you, know, you know, as a born-again child of God, you have every reason to trust your father. Some of you, it's time to kind of get off the coastline and kind of launch out into the deep a little bit. Quit being so fearful. You know what happens when you live in fear? You miss out on what God's doing. Man, the, the, I'm telling you honestly, the grumpiest people in life aren't lost people. Sometimes they're high and they're pretty happy. Like li- physically high. That's what I mean, right? Not spiritually. But, but you know the, miser- the most miser- miserable person in the world is it's a saved person that's not living with God's direction. They're allowing fear to run them. You know why they're miserable? Because they know there's so much going on that God's doing and they're not a part of it. You ever met that kid who just like, they're always like, how come that kid has that? How come that kid has that? It's like, well, you could have that. Have you ever asked for that? Why don't they give it to me? Why don't you ask for it? You know, like your heavenly father's like, look, you don't have to live that way. You're missing out because you chose to miss out and you want me to bring the party to you. Here's the party. You need to come. Look, if you would, at verse number 20. Look at the end of that verse. That which is conceived in her is of the what? Joseph, you're going to miss out on the work of the Holy Spirit if you don't get involved here. Look at verse 21. 
he shall save his people. You want to miss out on people getting saved? Look at verse 23. You're going to miss out on the presence of God, God with us. There is nothing, nothing like knowing that you are filled with the Spirit of God and God is working and you get to be a part of it. God doesn't need any of us, but he wants to use us. Who wants to miss out on that? I don't. (laughs) Look, if you would, at verse 24. You know what eventually has to happen? Some of you might be taking a nap right now. Hope not, but eventually you got to wake out of the sleep, amen? And you got to do something. You know, it's one thing to talk. Listen, I'll say it this way. Everyone talks a big game about getting getting up early in the morning at 10 o'clock at night. And then the alarm, I'm seeing some nods right now. Preacher, I didn't hear anything else you said. I got that one. It's like, yeah, that stinks, getting up in the morning. The alarm goes off, you know, and you're like, uh, what day is it? What planet am I on? I'm sure whatever planet it is, I could use two more hours of sleep. Right? You know, it's easy to kind of float through life until you have to act on something. But let me just say this. If, if you want to get out of your confusion, you need to learn to act on what God's showing you is right. Amen. Knowing what's right and doing what's right are two different things. Amen. I've had people go, man, I'm so confused about this. I'm like, well, the Bible says this. I know, I'm just, I'm so confused. Well, well the Bible, the Bible, the, the book, the one that floated down from heaven, breathed it, you know, and the, the God inspired that and gave those words to us. Oh, yeah, brother, I believe every word in the book. Okay, so about that, the Bible addresses that right here. Yeah, I know, but I just, I don't know. Sometimes I wish you could hear some of the things that I hear. Amen. It's like, well, what, what are you hoping? Are you, what, you want God to spray paint in the sky? He did that in a book for you already. Amen. Amen. And, then, and then at this at a certain point, you go, okay, now God, I, I, I'm going to let go of the fear. I've listened to God. Now I've got to actually do something with it. Look at verse 24. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the did. That, that little three-letter word. It's amazing what God can do when you just do something. He did as the angel of the Lord had bidden, bidden him and took unto him his wife. You know, you know where confusion comes from? Knowing what's right and finding a reason not to do it. And you can suppress your conscience and you can, man, you can, you can go so far to know, I know how to break it down. I know where it's found in the Bible. I know what the pastor said. I've talked to this. I've gotten counsel from five preachers. Okay, well, now you've got it. What are you going to do with it? Oh, nothing. You know what? Maybe I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll just, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> now listen, I live out in Bennett. It's farm country, all right? And believe it or not, food does not grow in the aisles of the grocery store. Some, some of you are like, whoa. Someone has to grow it. That burger you just ate the other day, someone had to raise that animal. I know, poor Bambi, poor Bessie, whatever. I mean... But someone had to do that. I read a story about a, a farm boy. And when I say farm boy, every girl that's ever watched Princess Bride is like, Wesley, oh, farm boy. No, not that farm boy. <laughs> His beautiful blonde hair and blue eyes. Anyways, a farm boy accidentally overturned his wagon of corn on the road, and he had a farmer that lived nearby. And Hey, Willis. Listen, man, uh, I'm going I'm to do this for Miss Cindy because she's from the South. Hey, hey. Hey, Willis, come on here and sit down and spell, man. Come on now. You ain't got to worry about that thing, man. Come on, man. What are you going to do? You can't fix it right now anyway. You need to eat something, boy. You skinny. You skinny as a rail. What they've been feeding you? Come on over to my house a little bit. And he goes, well, my dad's going to be upset if I go. Well, come on, man. Your dad ain't here right now. Let's just go eat something. Let's go get something to eat. You come back. I'll help you fix that thing right, right good. Right good. Isn't that good? Right good. So he goes to the farmer's house and has a meal. And they're eating, and he says, man, I, I, I really appreciate it, farmer, but I think I need to get going. My dad's going to be upset. Oh, come on, son. You need to learn to enjoy life a little bit. I mean, let your hair down, boy. Is that good? It's all right. All right. After the meal, the young man, Willie, thanked his host, and he said, man, I feel a lot better now, farmer. I just think, though, that Pa's going to be real upset with me. Well, boy, don't, don't be so crazy. Why are you so upset about your dad? Where is he anyways? 
Remember that wagon that was over there that was overturned? Yeah, he's underneath it. Yeah, listen, sometimes you can talk about, oh, my Heavenly Father's going to be upset with me. And I, I think God, just, you know, you're doing that because you know you're not doing what you need to be doing right now. You know where confusion comes in? Knowing what's right and finding a reason not to do it. You know what Felix says? When I have a convenient season, I'll hear of thee again. You know, the Bible says he never had that convenient season. It never came again. Can I say this? It's never convenient to do the right thing. Because oftentimes it goes against the grain. It goes against what you want. The Bible says, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. And you know that if you're saved, you know there was a day when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you quit putting it off. Can I point something out to you about the story of Joseph? Look at chapter 2 and we'll we'll be wrapping it up. Look at chapter 2 and and look if you would at verse number 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee what? You know what I, I think the Lord saw in Joseph? That, was, that first story, that first chapter was a testing in his life. He was confused about what to do. But when the Lord showed up, he responded to it, and he did what God told him to do. You know what God realized he could do with Joseph? He realized he could trust him. You know what God wants to trust you with? He wants to trust you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants to trust you with the testimony of a born-again believer. He wants to trust you with helping other people. He wants to trust you with ministering to others. He wants to trust you with some things that are eternal in nature. But you know what I, I see in, in Joseph's life? Look, you can see it again in verse 19, same chapter. The Lord does it again. You know why he does it again and again? Because he saw that Joseph was faithful the first time. I think Joseph could have kept living in confusion. Joseph could have missed out. He could have said, you know what? I know what God says. But they could have missed out on that whole entire raising Jesus thing. Can you imagine being someone that you th- you're just a carpenter, you're a nobody, and God says, I want to use you. You may look at your life and go, well, I, I, I throw trash. I, I, do, I pour concrete. I do the, I'm an electrician. I'm, no, I'm a nobody. God doesn't see it that way. God wants to use you. The reason why some of you are kind of just vacillating between stations in your life and you're not moving forward is because confusion has settled in. Because you're listening to voices that are keeping you in fear. And then once God shows you, this is what I want you to do, you're not moving. We have this thing at the end of a church service called an invitation. You know why we have it? So you can know that you're invited. God has poured himself into you. Okay, now you're invited to talk to the Lord. Not everybody has to, but I'm going to encourage you. If maybe you've been dealing with something in your life, you're like, Lord, I need some clarity. Can I encourage you to maybe follow Joseph's pattern? Maybe get alone for a little bit. Maybe lay out your fears to the Lord. And when you get up, go, okay, God, I'm going to do whatever you say. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's all stand. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Thank you for the Bible. Lord, thank you that even though we live in confusing times, we live in a messed up world, Lord, we know as your children we don't have to live in confusion. Lord, you're not the author of it. Lord, that's not your spirit that that leaves us there. God, I, I pray intently, Father, that you would, you know every situation in this room better than I do. And Lord, there are some that are just trying to listen to too many voices. Lord, maybe there are some that they just haven't let go of their fear. And Lord, there may be some that have done that, but they just, they're just waiting for what they might think is the perfect time, and that may never come. Lord, would you please move as you see fit? And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that has never been saved, or that today would be the greatest day of clarity in their life. That the light of the world, Jesus Christ, might be turned on inside of them. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to... Recently, 
I heard from someone that was really struggling. And a preacher reached out and said, hey, this person's struggling. I said, well, maybe ask them if they've been in prayer about it. Maybe ask them if they've got any counsel on it. Maybe ask them. What I learned through it was sometimes people don't want to hear from God. But can I encourage you? You need to hear from God. You need clarity to know what to do in every area of your life. You may go, well, I'm not confused about anything. Praise God. That's a blessing to have that, those moments and seasons of life where it's just, it all makes sense. But there may become something this next week that leaves you feeling a little bit different. And I want you to remember, you need to get along with Him. You need to hear from Him. You need to lay out your fears. And when He shows you what's right, do it. Do it. Don't live in doubt. Faith is the language that God speaks to humanity. It's not Hebrew or Greek or English. Or, it's, it's faith. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask a simple question. Do you know if you're saved? With nobody looking around? Just between you and God? If you know that if you were to take your last breath today, and that you'd be in the presence of God, you've been born again. There was a moment in your life where you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you know it. If that's you, raise your hand. Say, that's me. That's me. I know I was 12 years old at Silver State Baptist Youth Camp, and Billy Haas led me to Christ. I know where I was at. I don't remember the prayer. I don't remember what I was wearing. But man, I don't have the date written down, but I, I know this happened. It's a date, it's a place in mind. If you've never had that and you're not saved, would you be honest enough with every head bowed and every eye closed? Would you be honest enough to say, I don't think I'm saved. I'm pretty sure that I'm not. With no one looking around, would you be willing to just slip your hand up and say, pray for me? I can't. I can't save you. I can't do that. But I'd like to know so I can pray for you. I won't embarrass you. I won't drag you down here. But if that's you, would you be let go of the fear of what someone might think and just slip your hand up and go, Preacher, would you pray for me? I'm not sure if I'm saved. I don't know if I left this life and slipped into the other one where I'd be. Joseph's ability to gain clarity over the confusion helped him to gain consistency in the direction of his life. You need that. You, you don't need this constant back and forth. It is so unsettling. The Bible describes it as being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. It's confusion. The Lord wants you to have clarity. Pray the Lord gave you something. Pray the Lord gave you some uh, things to chew on. And maybe, like I said, you have, man, things are just making sense and things are clicking, and that's a blessing. Um, but life's not always that way. And, and oftentimes you hit these bumps in the road, and really what it is is I, I, I think I should go this way, but I'm not sure what God thinks, or I know what God thinks, but it kind of feels like the opposite of what I should do. And, and therein lies the confusion. And God doesn't want you staying there very long. The longer the devil can keep you there, if God's showing you, hey, let go of that friendship, let go of the friendship. If God's showing you, hey, I need you to add this, put that in your life. Whatever it is, just learn to say, okay, Lord, I don't understand it all. I don't like it all, but I'm going to do it. And I'll do it by faith. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you for being here today. And, uh, if you can make it Wednesday night, we'll be here at 7 o'clock for our midweek Bible study. The kids, uh, I didn't hear what Brother Craig said about what their theme is this week. What? Lilo and Stitch, all right? However you can find a way to connect that to the Bible, that is awesome. 
That is so cool. I love how he does that. Uh, so come as an alien or a little Hawaiian girl. <laughs> All right. If you're a boy, I recommend alien. Okay. Uh, but uh, anyways, let's go, Lord, in prayer. And uh, just thank God for the good day. And uh, I love you guys. Appreciate you. We'll see you, Lord willing, Wednesday night. Brother Eric Alcorn, if you would dismiss us in a word of prayer, sir.